Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Andes flight disaster that inspired the 1993 movie Alive. Here's what you need to know. On October 12, 1972, Uruguay's old Christians rugby team, along with family and friends, boarded an Air Force plane that was supposed to take them from Montevideo to Santiago, Chile for a match. No one could have guessed that they were doomed to experience one of the most notorious and horrifying air disasters of all time. Though the aircraft took off on the morning of October 12th, it was forced to stop overnight in Mendoza, Argentina, due to poor weather conditions. The next day, the weather was still bad, but expected to clear up in the afternoon, which is when the plane resumed its flight at 12.18 p.m. on October 13th. Colonel Julio Cesar Ferrades was an Air Force pilot who had flown over the Andes Mountains 29 times. On this flight, however, he was training his co-pilot, Lieutenant Colonel Dante Hector Lagurada, 
who was actually flying the plane. Because of the cloud cover, the pilots were unable to visually confirm their exact location. At 3.21 p.m., La Gurara mistakenly informed air traffic control that the plane had reached Curicó, at which point it was supposed to turn north and descend towards Santiago. Air traffic control in Santiago authorized the descent, not knowing that the plane was still flying over the Andes. Severe turbulence ensued, bouncing the plane wildly in the sky. A downdraft caused the plane to drop hundreds of feet out of the clouds, and that's when the passengers, who had been singing and joking through the turbulence up to this point, saw how close they were flying to the mountain. The pilot initiated a rapid ascent, and the plane, nearly vertical, began to stall and shake. Moments later, it crashed into the side of the mountain. The plane lost its wings, tail, and part of the fuselage before a portion carrying many passengers slid like a toboggan down the side of the mountain and crashed into a snowbank. Of the 45 people aboard, 33 survived the harrowing series of crashes. They were faced with unimaginable conditions, some badly injured in the freezing cold with almost no food to ration. Six people would die in the days that followed, and on October 29th, an avalanche took the lives of eight more. What those men did to survive over the 72 days they were stranded in the Andes has become the stuff of legends. Though their act of survival is often described as cannibalism, another technical term is anthropophagy, which is the eating of human flesh by human beings. They only ate the bodies of people who'd already died, and they didn't do it lightly. Some refused until their own deaths were imminent. Others had trouble keeping the human flesh down. Either way, it was the only option for survival. After leaving the group and risking a grueling nine-day trek over the mountain to find help, two determined survivors finally reached it. On December 22nd, authorities rescued six men from the crash site via helicopter, and the remaining eight were rescued the following day. More than two months after being presumed dead, 16 men lived to see the day they'd go home. Thanks to a selfless pact they made with many of the teammates and loved ones they tragically left behind. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. On October 13th, Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 crashed, immediately killing 12 of the 45 people on board. Over the next several days, an additional six people died leaving 27 survivors at an altitude of approximately 11,500 feet. On October 29th, an avalanche hit and filled the plane with snow, killing an additional eight people. After spending 72 days on the mountain and enduring unimaginable hardships against all odds, 16 boys were brought home alive. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, everyone. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hello. And our very special guest today is writer and friend Oscar Lemus. Hi, Oscar. Hi. Before I even dive into asking you, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets, I just wanted to tell our listeners about your uh, monthly comedy show, Scoop de Boopties. Can you, uh, how can they find out about this comedy show? I know it's the third Saturday of every month because you just reminded me. Tell us more about it. 
Uh, yeah, it's a Scoopty Boopties, very illustrious name. Uh, like Rebecca said, third Saturday of every month in the Los Angeles region. Um, we've been going at it for about four years. You can find out about it at Scoopty Boopties on Instagram and Twitter. We have a link tree. So that's super exciting. Great. So, I mean, now that everyone has already followed you and mm-hmm. uh, has all the information, <laughs> I can ask you, um, you know, what we'd like to start off the show by asking our guests, like, what is something that's keeping you up at night? What is something that's alarming you recently? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think I'm trying to find something new because... Oh, you're looking for a new <laughs> thing old, to old stay fears. up at night? <laughs> well, as you know, I was recently working on the same uh, show you were working on. That's and right. That- so, uh, just to, so our listeners know, uh, Oscar and I worked on the upcoming HBO Max show, uh, Gordita Chronicles, out this spring. Mark your calendars. Everyone is uh, uh, forced to watch um, that's right. If mandatory. you listen to this podcast, it's mandatory. It's mandatory. We don't want to mm-hmm. see your damn ears around here anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's um, racist if you don't. But uh, Oscar, uh, so so yes, so so that that was a you kind of had a stressful, you know, couple of months. Yeah, well, that that was my thing that was alarming, and that just finished, you know. So now I'm like, wow, like there's definitely room to fill my brain with stress and anxiety, but it's <laughs> fill it up. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what it is. Maybe it's my next job. What's my next source Anxi- of income going to be? <laughs> You're anxiety shopping right now. Would you call it that? Yeah, I guess so. I'm uh, browsing the options. Uh, Any big seeing, seeing what's a good deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you know, holiday travels up there. It's really vying for that number one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the looming anticipation of a new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, that's up there. Sure. Sure. That's good. Yeah. Time passing a classic. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. We all know it. We all know it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, speaking of holiday travel, that's the perfect segue mm-hmm. into this absolutely terrible disaster that will definitely keep you up at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, bef- you know, as we board uh, planes to go see our loved ones for the holidays. For sure. <laughs> Did you like that transition? Mm-hmm. Was, I mean, he really handed it to you. You got to give it to Oscar. I he didn't even know he was doing that. <laughs> he might have. This is a great experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, okay, this is one of these tragedies that makes you think: whatever you're going through, it can absolutely be worse. Mm-hmm. It's an. It's one of those constant reminders a right pers- a perspective shifter yes a bad I mean, thing can happen and then it can get worse and then worse still mm-hmm. yeah and then worse ultimately mm-hmm. exactly and when just when you think it can't get any worse it does mm-hmm. so i, I kind of wanted to start off instead of by putting things up on the board uh, just reading some of the aftermath stuff because this is uh you know it's a f- it's it's horrific and it one of those things one of those tragedies that you just can't stop reading about um i i I don't know if you guys have seen the the movie alive that's based on this uh disaster have you clayton is i have it's been a long time but i it's one of those movies that always sticks with me Mm -hmm. who's in it 
Yeah, well, Ethan Hawke. Okay, so first is we really? really do. Yes, yeah. it is what? a cast of white people playing uh, the, the Uruguayan yes. rugby team. It's very Hollywood. Right. Of That's course. how I prefer it. That's it's very 1993. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, I think there are some uh, Latinos in in the film, um, but you know, we've got Ethan Hawke. Who else do we have, Chris? Uh, uh, Josh Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent Spano. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you've seen... Uh, and John Malkovich is in it. John Malkovich, yes. yeah. Jeez, I forgot how wow. star-studded it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is, you know, once you get past the uh, how inauthentic it is, um, <laughs> it is a, it is a really uh, good movie. And one of those that has one of the... Uh, has a horrifyingly accurate depiction of a plane crash and Mm. it happens like within the first five minutes if you haven't seen it you can go on youtube and watch the you know the the plane crash scene um and it's actually very accurate to what happened Mm -hmm. to these guys um and you know because there are survivors i guess they had the luxury of being able to talk to the survivors and there's books you know mm-hmm. the the accounts were were pieced together so let's talk would about would you say it's so accurate that if somebody were to do a podcast about this event all they would need to do is watch the movie is that what you did <laughs> <laughs> i was just asking that sort of as a broader general point um yeah i'd rather not answer you could be you could be Yes, okay. you can just watch that's the great. movie and, and pretty much. All right, that's all I wanted to know. I I'm began good, I good. began preparing for this episode probably 15 years ago when I first watched the movie. So <laughs> yeah. I'm really prepared. That started. This here. is your moment. <laughs> this is <laughs> waiting. Yes. Yeah. Wow. We'll what an honor you. to be here. <laughs> Thank you, Oscar. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. But we'll for see. Oscar, who hasn't watched the film, you know, he hasn't prepared at all. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Let's. Yeah. See. <laughs> The only preparation, I'm glad we're doing this now after I just flew like four times mm, good. last week. Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know. Uh. <laughs> you're not at the airport waiting to hop on a flight after recording. Yeah. <laughs> right, Actually, right. if you're about to get on a flight, don't maybe listen go to, to an this older episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. Go to yeah. a. I would just, yeah. Maybe the check Biosphere the, 2 or. Maybe just check out what uh, Big Ones is up to, the Mandalun's <laughs> podcast. There or, you go. Uh, <laughs> something joyful. Something else on the Erios in the Erios catalog. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of good options for you. So let's start off by talking about the survivors survival skills Mm -hmm. uh, of these survivors. And this is according to an account from Roberto Canessa, who was the, uh, if you remember him in the film, he's the, the young medical student. Um, I I think he's played by Josh Hamilton, uh, Chris. Anyway, Mm -hmm. he was a medical student. He was 19 years old when the plane went down and Mm. he was also part of the rugby team. So he says, we needed blankets, so we skinned the seats of the plane, which contained a wool fabric. We put all the suitcases at the back of the fuselage to keep out the weather. We made sunglasses from the plastic screen in the ca- pilot's cabin. 
We used the bottoms of the seats for snowshoes and built hammocks for the people with broken legs. Everyone had a role, and because I was a medical student, I was in charge of the injured persons. I had to drain infections from the boys' legs and stabilize fractures. I also I was also in charge of carting the dead bodies, which some people couldn't stand. Mm. We melted snow to get water. We filled our rugby socks with meat for the trek and out and used the insulation from the kitchen to make sleeping bags. At night, we used rugby balls to pee in because if you went outside, your pee would freeze. Jeez. Cannibalism is when you kill someone. So technically, we did what is known as anthropophagy. (laughs) Anthropophagy. (laughs) Oscar's got this one. Go ahead, Oscar. Let's see. Anthropophagy. (laughs) Boom. Nice. Wow. Nailed it. Get this kid a podcast. In your face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he goes on. I've had this discussion for 40 years. I don't care. We had to eat these bodies and that was it. The flesh had protein and fat, which we needed, like cow meat. I was also used to medical procedures, so it was easier for me to take the first cut. The decision to accept it intellectually is only one step, though. The next step is to actually do it, and Mm. that was very tough. Your mouth doesn't want to open because you feel so miserable and sad about what you have to do. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, people often say... Oh, and you survived because you ate people. But for me, that was not the toughest part. I think we survived because we were a team, because we managed to walk out of the mountains. It's hard to do the... Sometimes it can be difficult to do the alarmist because you want to strike the balance between, you know, what we what we try and do is be respectful about these subjects and also, you know, um, find the light where there is some because, you know, they could affect any of us. Um, and you know, this is another one of those difficult ones, right? I mean, this, that is, I mean, that will change you forever. And there, especially if it's people, you know, um, and so, Mm. you know, I mean, I can't imagine. And like the, the thing that they did was, well, you know, they made a pact where they said if they died later on that they could, you could eat them. (laughs) Like, it was like if the four right. of us yeah. were on, on, on the flight and, you know, it went down and we happened to survive and we're like, you know, if I die, guys, feel free to eat me. Well, there yeah. is something to that. I mean, this feels very different than from the Donner Party episode that we did, right? I mean, these were clear. It was like these were friends and family who were like, if you have to do it, do it. Whereas the Donner Party was like, there was a lot of like tension and people who didn't like each other and mystery around it. Well, they were like mad at each other. Yeah. None of them, you know, led them astray. And, you know, it was not that that fault. makes you want to eat people more. But I, I can imagine that I, I think the psychological like, I'm, you know, putting myself in that position, just thinking right. for a second, if I had to eat my husband because who had died for my survival, like that would be really intense. God. And, and also... <laughs> Also, the sort of deliberate nature of it, right? Like the sort of the fact that it was all kind of, there was this decision they all had to make over time and they kind of talked about it and, you know, it would be different if it was just you were alone, for example. Mm. It would also be different, I think, if it was like um, heat of the moment. I mean, not to, I don't don't know where, I, I don't know how that. Would. Well, someone could have been in a fight, you know, there there were, I'm sure there were disagreements between. Sure. The, yeah, exactly. But, and, and, but to, to make the sort of conscious choice of it too. And then it, it's all very, um, uh, 
I mean, just you, you just hope that you never get put in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, geez. And then, you know, the avalanche happens, you know, which <laughs> kills. It's like, how could it possibly get worse? And then, you know, they're, they're stuck in the you know, body of the plane once the avalanche ha- happens for three days because there's a blizzard going on outside. Jeez. And just, at what point are you like, maybe we should just give up? Like, this is the world telling us you were meant to die in that crash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, really uh, breaks your spirit. Yeah, it's what it's what the what, what movie it's I'm spacing out on this movie. It's a very popular movie. Fatal um, Attraction. No, Fatal Instinct. <laughs> no, no. The one where where it's like. Uh, they they actually do have a scene on a plane. Where, oh, where final destination! Like, final destination. Yes. Sorry, fatal. Yeah, attraction. I love that franchise. <laughs> um, but it feels like one of those where it's like you can't escape death; it's going to find you no matter what. Mm. You know? Yeah, it seems um, so overwhelming, especially to have responsibilities. Like I would feel bad for anyone else who was on that plane that got stuck with me. It's like, uh, <laughs> what would you be in charge of, Oscar? I don't know, proofreading? <laughs> hey, you never know. I, right. I don't know. Maybe I'd record. I could do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you could proofread the SOS okay, that someone, someone has to carve into the snow. Would yes. Like that? Yeah, that'd be so ask. useless. <laughs> you, know what I, you know, guys know what I'd be doing. I'd be like, okay, guys, it's 8 a.m. Time for our sun salutation and meditation. <laughs> yeah. Time for yoga, okay? We gotta God. have mind, body, mind, body, spirit. Chris would make us do scenes from Romeo and Juliet or yes. something. Like, we can't let spirits art up. die. Not yeah. out here. Art has to be everywhere. Um, Clayton oh, would be in charge of food, which is not a great thing to be in charge of. Well, not in this, for this tragedy. instance. Um, so let's discuss, uh, and, and I, I know we still have to put things up on the board, because, but because there, the list is a little bit smaller with this one, because it's a little bit more cut and dry, I want to discuss the, the rescue mission that happened. Okay. After 10 days, they heard the news on the small transistor radio that they had found, uh, that they f- had found in the plane, that the search had been called off. Although many of them believed that dying would be easier than going on living, the survivors kept fighting for life in organized expeditions aiming to escape the mountain. I pause. Okay. I can't imagine what it must feel like to be like 10 days in. You're, you've been, you survived a plane crash. So we're assuming everyone was injured at Mm. some level. Yeah. And you're just trying to, you know, make it until they, they search for you. And then you hear on the radio, that they called it off. They're done. Oh. <gasps> Terrible. I once had a show that I was on on CBS get canceled, and <sighs> I really honestly feel like, God. oh it's my the same god, thing, Chris? equivalent, well, equivalent. <laughs> you should have seen me walking around that day. I was walking around, hang, you know. But you have to pick your head up and move yeah. on, and that's what I did. I pounded the pavement. Mm, um, just like the survivors. It's very on, similar, on if not the same. Minecraft. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel worse for you. Gosh. How can, yeah. I'm we so should sorry. do an episode on that. <laughs> Chris is canceled CBS show. All of my canceled, canceled pilots. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we know who's to blame. <laughs> Whoa. Damn. Whoa. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> wow. I mean, I had to take well, it. My name uh, can't not be on the board. <laughs> um, so, okay. So Nando Parado, played by Ethan Hawke in the movie, 
and uh, Robert Canessa were chosen for the most difficult mission, taking their physical abilities to the limit. They walked for nine exhausting days. At last, they started to see that the snow layer was getting thinner and bits of vegetation could be seen. Soon they came to a valley that was crossed by a river. Okay, this is according to Britannica. After the difficult trek, the other two men finally came across three herdsmen in the village of Los Maitenes, Chile, on December 20th. However, the Chileans were on the opposite side of the river, and the noise oh of which... It's like, oh it gets worse. <laughs> the noise of which made, it made it hard to hear. So the herdsmen indicated that they would return the following day. Mm-mm. Early the next morning, the Chileans reappeared and the two groups communicated by writing notes on paper that they then wrapped around a rock and threw across the water. This is crazy. The survivor's note read, um, this is what the note that um, I, I believe it was Nando wrote said. I come from a plane that fell in the mountains. I am Uruguayan. We have been walking for 10 days. I have a wounded friend up there. In the plane, there are still 14 injured. We have to get out from here quickly. We don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. We are going to come. uh, When are you going to come fetch us? Please, we cannot even walk. Where are we? SOS. It's a long note. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yes. The, I mean, after I mean, he covered it though. I mean, I imagine you like, you're, you're so yeah. weak. You probably like have one good throw across the river. You're like, I got to get everything. I got to get here. all the details. <laughs> when when I when Rebecca asked me to read her emails, like, um, I I would look over her shoulder, and if she wrote this, I'd be like, Yeah, that's good. That's solid. That gets the point across. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Oscar, this is where you, you would be yeah, needed. Actually, oh, yeah. This, oh is, God, this is where you have to write this, this note. Moment. Yeah, this well, maybe, moment. maybe a few trims, but it's pretty good, I think, given the circumstances. <laughs> given the There's some unnecessary stuff in there, you think? <laughs> you think yeah, you can uh, trim it a, a little, little bit? A little fluff. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, okay. Um, you're here. And you can actually see this note online. I mean, they, they have a picture of it. And you can actually see the, how the parts where it like, got a little water on it. It's like blurred up. It's wow. crazy. Um, okay. So the authorities were notified. And on December 22nd, two helicopters were sent to the wreckage. Six survivors were flown to safety. But bad weather delayed the eight others from being rescued until the next day. As I mean, but at least you know they knew though that the rescue was on the way. So I mean, I would imagine that's enough to carry you one more day, right? You're like, wow, they're definitely. I mean, it sucks, but man, wouldn't you feel great knowing, like, okay, gotta wait one more day. I've been here for seventy two. Fine. Yeah. I guess I, sure. I would be just dying to get out. I oh, get yeah. really frustrated if I miss a flight, honestly. <laughs> yeah, how do they pick who goes first? <laughs> I I would assume that it was the more injured or, you know, the weaker. I don't know. I'd be like, first. I kind of did a little bit more than everyone else here. So. Right. <laughs> That's when you would have That's the when fight. you get petty That's at the when, very last yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy a first uh, class ticket when we initially flew, <laughs> right, so yeah. I feel like I should. Oh, everyone has to check their boarding. Yes, their boarding, check their group. boarding group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. I'm in 12F. You're in 17E. <laughs> so. so technically, I should go first. <laughs> Wow. Terrible, terrible. Um, so the, after 72 days on the mountain and enduring unimaginable hardships against all odds, 16 boys were brought home alive. Okay. And finally, this takes us to putting people up on the board. And first, I think we need to put the co-pilot, Dante Hector Lagurada. Okay. And uh, his misjudgments. Okay. 
Yeah, he was Al- training, right? He was training, exactly. Uh, this is according to Alpine Expeditions. After stopping at the Mendoza Airport due to poor weather conditions the day before on October 13th, co-pilot Lagurara, in the process of being trained by Colonel Ferrades, was flying the plane. According to the records... Oh my God, guys, this, this is terrifying. According to the records, Lagurada radioed the Santiago airport at 3.21 p.m. with an update that he was flying over the Planchon Pass and that he anticipated reaching the small Chilean town of Curicó at 3.32. The moderate tailwind speed had increased, so they reduced the plane's cruising speed from 210 to 180 knots. At 3.24... So three minutes after their first communication with Santiago, the Fairchild notified air traffic control that Curicó was in sight and then they were heading for Maipú. So they turned the plane at a right angle to head north. It was then, despite the difference in time from what had been estimated, Santiago air traffic control accepted the information given by Lagurada to be true and authorized him to descend slowly to 3,500 meters in order to reach the Paduel uh, airport. So do we put the air traffic control too? For not- I think we need to put them as well. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, let me explain this. It takes something like uh, 12, uh, sorry, it takes 11 minutes, right, for them to go from where they are. They know, air traffic control knows that it takes 11 minutes to go from where they are Mm -hmm. to where they need to be. Mm -hmm. In order to start turning and descending. Exactly. Two, uh, what was it? Three minutes later, he says, I'm already there, but it should take 11 minutes. But right. it's only been three minutes. That's a huge, like, misjudgment or miscalculation for them totally. to, not miss, to miss that. It's like, what? And they weren't flying. They couldn't see because of the cloud coverage. It was, like, really foggy. Oh, there was bad weather. So the co-pilot was sort of guessing? Yes, because they were flying just on the, on the instrument, not visually. Yeah, so okay. he couldn't see that the, he, they were still in the middle of the mountain. Hmm. So... He starts descending, and this is the part in the movie, too, that they, they do so well, where the, they start looking um, out. You know, there's turbulence that starts happening, and uh, they they look out, and they realize that they shouldn't be as close to the mountains. They finally go, go b- below the clouds, and they realize they shouldn't be as close to the mountains. So the, 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 the pilot or the, the co-pilot that's uh, flying at this point then just like realizes his mistake and starts going up. My question is, where's the real, where's the seasoned pilot during all of this? Why isn't he like, why did he let him go so drastically up? Was it, I mean, panic, I I guess. Maybe he was singing, singing and playing games with everyone on the plane. Possible. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, it was also uh, bad weather conditions, which we should probably just put up on the board. Sure. Sure. We can, we can put that up. Um, The pilot, it's unclear. I, I couldn't find a lot of information on what he was doing because the, the both of the pilot and the co-pilot died. Right. You would you would think that the the seasoned pilot who knows that it takes eleven minutes to go from point A to B in order to descend properly. I mean, if you're flying in bad weather conditions over a treacherous mountain range and it's someone's training, you feel like you'd be right on top of that guy. 
making sure everything is perfect. I wouldn't just be like coasting and like running to the bathroom quick. I'd be yeah. like on it. But that's just me. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe he was been on there. his way out. <laughs> A distinct lack what did of you Clayton. Say? What did you say, Oscar? Oscar? He was on his Maybe. way out? Maybe. It was like he put his two weeks notice already. Oh, and he's like, you're right. It's like, I'm, this is whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got it. He's fine. Yeah. No, it, it it baffles me as well, Clayton. It's like, I don't know. Wouldn't you just take take the wheel? Just be like, hey, you know what? I got I mean, this. Only, yeah, like we've, been, we've yeah. only been flying for three. We need, I'm, I know I can't see the mountain, but I know it takes another at least seven minutes to get where we need to go. Like that. That's just poor time management. We got to put him up there. We got to yeah. put the regular Let's pilot. Let's put the pilot as well. Um, I also think we should put, uh, you know, horsing around <laughs> okay well they they were the the you know it's possible i don't know the the rugby team in the back was like making a, a ruckus you know in the <laughs> back they were throwing the rugby ball <laughs> there's a lot of young men they're pl- they're playful they're energetic mm-hmm. okay perhaps that was a distraction a distraction maybe the yeah. pilot was like man i've missed my youth i wish i was more professionally successful, or I wish I had stuck with a sport. He got yeah. distracted in that way. Um, I, I don't think it was like an ex- existential like spiral. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could sing. <laughs> Just how they do. <laughs> I, uh, there is something about um, team camaraderie. You always want to be a part of that team. You know, like they're probably doling out high fives back there, and the pilot's probably like, ah, those guys. I guess I guess my point is like if you're flying on a plane just kind of like follow the rules and sit down and just just like sit down there's a place for everything you know what I mean I just read recently there was something about uh I think it was like a high rail speed rail train in somewhere in China where the like the pilot or the captain just like left to use the bathroom for like a few minutes and it was going 110 miles and everyone's like up in arms. I'm like, yeah, you should be. Like, I should. So there should never be no one running a thing that's going that fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just follow the rules. Just follow. The There's rules. hundreds of lives in your hand potentially on that thing. Um. Okay. So we we've got that up on the board. I also think we got to put uh, travel costs up on the board. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Travel costs. Inflation. Yeah. yeah how? Explain that. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> It's it was cheaper than flying, you know, because it was cheaper than flying commercial when the rugby team had to travel to their game in Chile, they would charter a plane from the Air Force. So it was military. Yeah. So instead of like flying commercially where I don't know, there are more rules and regulations. So they would charter this plane, the whole plane for sixteen hundred dollars, which is pretty cheap. Even even with inflation, this yeah. is 1972. Wow, it's like the spirit Chris, before what, spirit. Much... <laughs> what did you this say? This is before spirit. This, this is true. Spirit. 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 Yeah. Oh. Those rugby boys would have fun on that spirit for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think that's like pretty cheap, though, for chartering a plane even in 1972. Um, uh, the value of $1,600 in 19... 19- too many crickets. Hang on. <laughs> this is Oscar. Are you on they, make me, they make me do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Sixteen hundred equals Go? ten thousand today. Okay, so, that's pretty. That's cheap. a lot. That's pretty. Oh. Cheap. No. 
<laughs> I mean, for a whole plane where all those people can fly on. Well, it? there's forty people. Yeah, ten thousand yeah, dollars, so right? That's what we're. Yeah, that's what it would cost. Yeah, yeah, ten thousand. Oh, not... But you split the cost. Yeah, that's not bad. That's. <laughs> It's not bad. <laughs> Flipped on that that's, one. That yeah, was easy. <laughs> How much? What is the math? I, I did the math in my head. Did you? What is it? I can't do well, it that fast. Well, if it's split by like 40, 40 plus people, if it's split by fifty people, it's like what hundred bucks each. If it's yeah. split by fifty, I think it's two hundred each, right? Ten thousand. Oh, two hundred. We need a calculator. I don't know, but still, that's a great deal. This isn't the math podcast. <laughs> this is not a math podcast. Um, <laughs> this let's is my put, anxiety. Okay, so let's put the plane up on the board. So the uh, aircraft the was uh, for FAU 571, which was the flight number, was a Fairchild F-27. It's a twin-engine turboprop passenger aircraft, which was four years old and had 792 airframe hours. Um, so, it, you know, you can do a quick Google search if you're by a computer, not if you're driving, if you're just <laughs> sitting on land by a computer. Um, and it's not that big of a plane. It's, you know, it's a short King, short King plane. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Short, king? short, short King. This guy's Gen Z are here. Short- <laughs> uh, clearly I'm not. <laughs> What's that? I, for- I forgot all of you are on the verge of death. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what a short King is. You do? You can eat us first yes. if we Finally, die, Oscar. TikTok is uh, paying off, right, Chris? Tick- I spend way too much on TikTok not to know what a short King is. Okay, explain you, it. Explain it. Explain. Yeah, what is it, Chris? It's, like a, it's a short guy who, like... It still slays, like he still gets <laughs> girls, even though he's a he's short. So, yeah, but, like, but it's almost like a joke. Yeah, well, also, it's there's like also, overconfident. Yes, overconfident. Napoleon was a short king. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Pitbull is Pitbull a, a short king? Short king. It's also like comes with like Oscar saying it's like tongue in cheek too. It's like kind of like. I don't know. Okay, so the plane was a short king. Satirical, yeah. Okay, so short king, short king plane. Um, (laughs) But this is the thing. It was known amongst Air Force pilots to be underpowered, and it was nicknamed the lead sled. Oh, no. Yeah, not what you want going over a mountain. No. And here's where it gets worse. Let's put the mountain up. Okay. On the board. We put the plane up, right? The plane's up. The Andes? Like all of the Andes or just a particular... I would, say, I would actually say the uh, Southern Andes. Should we put plate tectonics on the board no. too? Just the no. entire yeah. things that cause yeah. mountains? Earthquakes right. that made the mountains? <laughs> Mag- magma. Magma? No. How, where should we stop? No, just the mountain. And I'll explain why. Okay. The Andes consist Wait. of a vast series of extremely high plateaus surmounted by even higher peaks that form an unbroken rampart over a distance of some 5,500 miles from the southern tip of South America to the continent's northernmost coast on the Caribbean. So it's like literally all of South America, mm-hmm. pretty much Chile. Um, they separate a narrow western coastal area from the uh, rest of the continent, affecting deeply the conditions of life within the ranges themselves and in the surrounding areas. The Andes contain the highest peaks in the western hemisphere. The highest of them is Mount Aconcagua on the border of Argentina and Chile. So, okay, where the plane went down in the southern Andes, which are known as the wet Andes, um, AKA very snowy. So the northern Andes are known as the dry Andes. Southern mm. are the wet Andes. 
These southern Andes are high, and in order to clear them, planes must fly above 26,000 feet. That's very high. Uh, for the, and for the aircraft that the rugby team, the one they had chartered, it, that, that aircraft could only fly up to 28,000 feet. Ooh. Jeez. Yeah, like a commercial airplane, you go 30,000 feet. That's like your cruising altitude. Yeah, mostly. yeah. But the like, big boys can go high. Yes, well, that's pushing it. That's, that's too close for comfort. Chris and I just took a, 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 a tiny, tiny plane mm-hmm. <laughs> from the island of uh, Vieques to uh, the mainland of Puerto Rico. And it was like, you know, it was just the two of us on the plane. It was mm-hmm. the smallest plane I've ever seen in my life. Like, uh, was it unpressurized? It was, like it, there was no, it wasn't a pressurized cabin where you could like feel right, the air and hear no it. was no pressurized and yeah. it had a bunch of snakes on the, fl- like on the ground, <laughs> on the floor. I flew into Puerto Rico fight. the same way. <laughs> minus the snakes. Wow. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but it, it's like a puddle. It's a puddle jumper, essentially. Yeah. The flight was like eight minutes. We were <laughs> on, in an island and then on another island in eight <laughs> minutes. To like total. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we landed, we asked the guy, we were like, oh, how high was that? And he was like a thousand, uh, thousand three hundred feet. So the, the highest you or, or the lowest you can go flying is a thousand feet. So anyway, we were just on a play a thousand three hundred feet. Imagine twenty six thousand feet. Um, on a plane that was the that lead, was a, the lead sled or whatever they called it, <laughs> just pushing it at the top. The lead of sled. <laughs> My God, this is oh. just insane. Okay, so I got three more things I want to put up on the board. And it's gonna, we're gonna make it quick. <laughs> yeah, stop wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, white planes. Okay, white air airplanes. Okay. Um, the search okay. for the the missing plane. Okay, okay. racist. <laughs> okay, jeez. <laughs> I don't know where we were going there. <laughs> okay. A search for the missing plane was launched, but it soon became clear that the last reported location was incorrect. Rescue efforts shifted to the Andes and the survivors later reported spotting several planes. However, so they were sitting there and they could see the planes going overhead being like, hey, we're over here, but nothing. However, the snow covered mountains made detection of the white plane difficult. Hmm. Furthermore, the harsh environment led many to believe that there was there were no survivors. After eight days, the search was called off, though uh, later rescue efforts were undertaken by family members. So they just couldn't see it. Why? And and which begs me to ask, I don't know, why are planes white? Shouldn't they be neon yellow? (laughs) Well, like spirit. Spirit. Right. Spirit knows what they're they're doing. (laughs) Spirit. The airline of a generation. (laughs) It's a great question, though, honestly, because, I mean, an airplane, I mean, if you can use every single element that comprises an airplane to, in, in an effort to protect those on board, why wouldn't you make that choice every single time? I wonder if there, there must be like rules or regulations, like federal regulations for commercial airplane. I mean, I guess the military would be different, but like you would think it's like, you know, maybe the sun will hit a certain color a certain way. So we should avoid that color. Like maybe it's cheaper because it's like, if there's so many of them, the paint is, it's cheaper mm. for, for white paint. I don't know. Oh, I'm just spitballing interesting. here. <laughs> keep them um, no cool. scientist. <laughs> Somebody says just to keep them cool. Okay. 
Well, oh, that makes sense. Uh, oh, that does actually make a lot of sense. Easier to see problems if they're white. Okay, so they're talking about imperfections on the exterior. Oh. oh. Well, I don't know. Put some color on Easier it. Easier to sell, too, because that's another thing they do is they swap them. Like, right. Like, and you just change a tail. Like, uh, most of it's, like, all on the tail nowadays, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. That fin. Yeah. Well, and just... the, the tail was separated from the actual body of the plane during the plane crash. So that wouldn't have helped. So that wouldn't have helped. Exactly. Um hmm. And a layer of paint adds weight. Like a layer wow. of paint adds that much weight. Sure. Which is not much, but like when you're talking about, I mean, so there you go. Yeah. Those are some reasons why airplanes are white. I still think they should make them yellow. But um, <laughs> malicious, a malicious God. This is what I would like to put up on the board okay. finally. Wow. Sure. Survivor Roberto Canessa said, personally, I believe this was a kind of experiment by a malicious hand that decided to throw onto the mountain a group of young rugby players, university students with education and a belief in God, ideal guinea pigs for an expert experiment in human behavior who survived. It wasn't the smartest, most intelligent ones. The ones who survived were those who most felt the joy of living that gave them a reason to survive. Mm. Interesting. And I guess also probably the the ones I would I I would contest that it was also depending on where you were sitting. Because Yeah, the, the back of the, the plane. The back of the plane. Well, he, I think he five. was talking about of the survivors, the people who went sure. on. Oh, I see, of the survivors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's not all the- Yes. <laughs> that does matter. Um, <laughs> that's why you pay for priority seating. <laughs> that's why. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and before we start knocking things off the list, I just want to give the big clap to Jesus. Um, okay. because that Jesus was Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that uh, so so the the survivors faced initial backlash from the public when it was discovered that they had eaten human human flesh to stay alive. That was until one of the survivors claimed that they had inspired that they had been inspired by the Last Supper, in which Jesus gave his disciples bread and wine that he stated were his body and his blood. The explanation helped sway public opinion, and the church later absolved the men. Wow. That, oh my God. Can you imagine making it back, and then it's like, everyone's mad? Yeah, the church is denouncing you for <laughs> yeah. surviving. Well, that was a big, at least in the dialogue in the movie, which was the extent of my well, research, they, uh, the, they, <laughs> they were concerned. I mean, that was a big concern. It's like, will we be accepted back into society? Right. Well, and this is a pretty, really, these like it's a pretty heavily Catholic country. Yes, these, yes, yeah, right? Catholic. Like, Most of them were Catholic. Yeah, unforgiving. Oh. <laughs> Truth. Jeez. But it was Jesus himself that gave them the idea. To Don't worry, they're still living with the guilt today. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. also very Catholic of them. Um, okay, so I feel like I feel like we're ready to start knocking things off the list. Let's take a quick break and we'll get to it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. Okay, who is to blame for the Andes flight disaster? Is it the co-pilot, Dante Hector Lagorada? Santiago Airport air traffic controllers? Bad weather conditions? Colonel Julio Cesar Ferradas, the seasoned pilot. Horsing around? Travel costs? The plane F-27, a.k.a. What is it, Clayton? The lead? The lead sled? The lead sled. sled. A.K.A. Short King. A.K.A. Short King. <laughs> Was it the Short King? <laughs> the Southern Andes, airplanes painted white, or a malicious god? Okay. What are we going to knock off? Okay. First, I think I want to take off horsing around. Okay. Because I don't want to victim blame here. Whoever. Yeah. We should never feel bad for horsing around, right? Yeah. Uh, except Unless when you're on a someone. plane. Yeah. They're having fun. They're probably doing a Herald back there. Just <laughs> just some good old improv. Improv? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also nervous about blaming and putting in, in our alarmist jail a malicious god only because of what 
what a malicious god would then do. Mm, not yeah. only to us, but to the alarmist jail. I mean, it's also like the most uh, subjective suggestion right. you know like really depends on who you are as an individual what your beliefs are and then if you think a god would do something like that if right that's something you believe in i just think it's interesting like no one ever blames god for the you know the bad stuff you're not god did this to me i, I guess unless you're on, I guess in if, a plane crash i wonder if you're a religious person if at some point in the grief process you do think that Mm. That's one of the steps. I think that is something that happens to a lot of people. Oh, right. It's the only thing that makes sense at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like it has to be God. But it's sort of a slippery slope there. Yeah, yeah. Look, Um, there's not a lot of evidence. We can't (laughs) back it it up with a (laughs) lot. Take it out. (laughs) I also think we can take the mountain off. Uh, the Southern Andes, just because I mean, they're just oh, doing their thing. They were there you know? first. Yeah, they were there first. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> they're like, they're like, bro, this is not. This is y'all's problem, Ooh. not <laughs> talking. Yeah, talking. The literally, is a talking. <laughs> uh, what about travel costs? It's like you know, I would have been pumped to get a chartered flight versus having to fly, fly commercially. You know, yeah, I, it's an experience. I don't think there's anything wrong with with being um, cognizant of travel costs, especially when you're like working with a team on a budget, I would, to me, it's more about like, Oh, knowing that the plane was like really shouldn't go as high as it needs to go. Right. Like who, who cares how much it costs? It's more like, that's not the right plane for the job. Yeah. The right plane for the right job. There you Mm -hmm. go. That was a, that's a big expression. My dad always says right tool for the right job. He does a little housework around, but I think the right plane for the right job could also apply. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like it. I just Um, learned something. Fly over some mountains. (laughs) Get a plane that can fly over. Yeah. (laughs) You need the, the, you need the mountain jumper plane, not the puddle jumper plane. Mm -hmm. Not the lead sled. No. (laughs) You're just like, "Mm, should I take the mountain jumper plane on this flight or should I take the lead sled? (laughs) Come on. It is cheaper. (laughs) Right. I also feel like we can take the airplane being painted white off. It didn't help the rescue, but it isn't essentially what brought them down. Right. This is where yeah. Oscar would have That's, some notes, I would imagine, when they were painting the plane. He'd give it a once over. So right. A, a pass through. A pass through. Sure. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> right. even a group read or something, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yeah, I think that can come off. Now, we've got the co pilot, we've got the actual pilot. Bad weather conditions. Um, no, I, I, I mean, yes. Yeah, there's been lots of bad weather. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's the same as the, as the Andes. It's like, I'm just doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Totally. It's, it's on y'all. I feel like the weather would be like, have you seen these mountains? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> right. Right. It's like my job to snow on them. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. They need me. Because <laughs> you guys need the water down below. You need some clean water. So really, they're doing us a favor. Exactly. When Actually, when the snow was did save them in a lot mm. of ways because they were able to melt it and drink water. And, you know, one of the uh. things you, you can't really, you can survive longer if you have water and no food versus vice versa. If you this have no true. water and food. Right. It's the rule of three, right? Three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food or something. Oh. Is that real? I think you're right about that. Chris. Oh, I didn't, I've never heard that. Also, it's snow water. Sometimes you see like little mountains on the water bottles, and it's like, wow, 
This yeah. is like it's good so water. It's, it's they good were getting water. Yeah, top quality water. Yeah. It's like pH balanced. Yeah, I didn't have to like filter it or anything. <laughs> yeah, well, like right. maybe they it had electrolytes. It's fresh. I mean, what are electrolytes even? Okay, so but That's, anyway, next time, next time, next time on the alarmist. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have a tough job here. We have to figure out between the co-pilot, the air traffic controllers, which big oopsie daisy. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you your your one job is to be there for these pilots. Yeah. And catch these mistakes. Um, we also have the seasoned pilot and we have the actual plane. Hmm. Here's what so, I'm thinking, Clayton. And tell me what you, if you agree. Great. I do think we have to put the pilot in training, the co-pilot, in the alarmist jail. Wow. The one in training? Yes. Oof. Was, I'm, all, I'm all about the chain of responsibility. It's like if I'm training at a job and I kind of mess up. I'll be like, well, like I'm training, like you, you're. I've my never supervisor. done this. Before. I've never flown over the mountains before. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. true. It's like, oh, you, you, you should have caught something that I didn't catch. Maybe it is my fault, kind of, you know. But like, yeah. mm. <laughs> I don't. I kind of, I don't know. I'm with Oscar on that. Wow. I well, mean, like, where was say? this guy? How, where were you going to go with that, Rebecca? What was sort of your thrust? I just he him he, he messed up, man. <laughs> You made the big boo-boo. Yeah, it was a big boo-boo. And there's training at a, you know, Applebee's where you like get the knives on the, you put the knives on the left side and the forks on the right. Like that, that's, there's that kind of mistake. And then there's training when you get the suit on and you're still early in your career, but you are a pilot. Like you're in the seat. You're the one like behind the controls. So, you know, there is a difference in that I mean, kind of training. Yeah, I just think that the stakes are so much higher. And it's, it's not like it was his first day on the job. But I uh, do take your point. Yeah. I do take your point about the chain of command. To me, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that we don't have a, an immediate consensus. I was actually leaning towards the plane. Like the thing that uh, Oscar said about the right plane for the right job. Or was that Clayton? That was me. <laughs> Over <Wow>. two. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, no. Give the credit to Air a ball. guy, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> it's better that way. I'm going to re-listen to the episode because I actually don't believe you. Okay. Um, I know I didn't say, say it. Was, it. I'm going to say it was Oscar. Um, okay, okay. I'm, I'm just a guest. I'm just a guest on the podcast. <laughs> um, well, now you are a party to p- what is likely going to lead to our divorce. But um, wow, you heard it my new, This is my new anxiety. I found it. <laughs> nice. Oh, we found it. I found Yay. it. Um, no, no, no. What Rebecca said earlier: the right plane for the right job. Okay, I will say that is very convincing, and. You're telling me it could only go up to 28,000 miles yeah. and it needed at least 26, 2,000 of wiggle room, which is like a 5% kind of margin or whatever that is, 7%. Yeah. It was I, also you know. known to be not to have a lot of power. So when they had to make the, you know, it was already going down when they realized they, they were going to hit the mountain, they had to go back up and it just like it couldn't go. It was literally flying vertical. So uh, to okay, me, well, I know uh, we don't have a lot of time, but it's like, to me, then it's like, who, it's whoever was- Who picked the plane. Yeah. Who picked the plane? Who's okaying that kind yeah. of thing to be flying in that terrain? Right. We don't know. It's like, it's like, the, it's like know. what they say about guns. It's like the gun didn't shoot the person. The person holding the gun mm. shot yeah, the person. I guess so it's it, like- It makes you want to just then say, yeah, it the might pilot. be the flyer. Yeah. yeah. So here, why don't we do this? I was going to pitch, we send 
the co-pilot to the alarmist jail and we give the slap the big slap to the plane but i feel like you're gonna slap the controllers or at least the other pilot i mean this is one of those things where it's like there's okay it's hard for me you're right you're right. I think I think we we send the the co-pilot to the jail and we uh slap the um the the pi- the seasoned pilot who should have been in charge. We slap him like in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Give him the big slap it's called. Yeah. We call that, that big slap. <laughs> I mean, I I can go to sleep at night with that decision. Okay. Sure, yeah. Okay. So I want to gonna... slap more people, but I can yeah. that that, that those air controllers, I know they're notoriously like super busy. They have a lot of other things that's going on. That's true. But, like that's, true. that's a big mess up. Major, major oopsie daisy. Man. Right. Um. Okay. Well, we can always give them the backhand. Let's mm. do that. Let's do that. All right. I'm going to call it Colonel Julio Cesar Ferradas, the seasoned pilot. You're getting the big slap. Great. Watch out, air traffic controllers. You're getting the backhand. And co-pilot Dante Hector Lagurada, you're going to the alarmist jail. Wow. Terrible tragedy. And, you know... Uh, you know, I, 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 can I suggest that perhaps, Oscar, since you're looking for something to be to keep you up at night, that this... I mean, this is an easy one to keep you up at night. If you're looking for nightmares... Yeah, like getting in a big plane crash. Yeah, or a, a too or small plane plane crash. Or plane was too small. Yeah. I mean, and having to survive seventy two days after a plane crash. God, I don't. I don't think I could do it. To be honest, <sighs> I know. I I want to say I could, but no. I'm from Florida. Like the cold, <laughs> fifty degrees is already like oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> But That's the, a good point. The, 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 these, this, da- this disaster is unique for us, I think, specifically because the disaster was so kind of quick and um, destructive and sort of uncomplicated, as you were saying. But what sort of is fascinating is the survival, the way that they survived and how they survived. And um, it's actually very uh, life-affirming and aspi- yeah. inspiring in a lot of ways. So um, um, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm taking away from it. Um, so I think Oscar's going to have to continue shopping for something to be anxious about. That's um, true. If he thinks further about this accident, which actually was life affirming. Yeah, Keep I'm already thinking. Posted. I'm already thinking about like my willpower. Like, you know, mm-hmm. where, where is it? How does it stand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let us know. Just us. Uh, shoot me a text when you figure that out. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Oscar, for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the Andes flight disaster. We couldn't have done it without you. Thanks for having me. It's been a real blast. After their rescue, the bodies recovered in the Andes were buried in a communal grave near the crash site in January of 1973. According to survivor Roberto Canessa, the living survivors try to gather every year on December 22nd, the day they were rescued. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the alarmist the on Twitter at the alarmist podcast on Instagram or email us at 
thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing who's to blame for the messy birth plan for baby Jesus. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.